When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? You're not interested in art? No. Now look, we're going to do this thing. We're going to have a conversation. From Chicago, this is Film Spotting. I'm Josh Larson. And I'm Adam Kempinar. It's time for the second installment of our new Argentine Cinema Marathon, a marathon brought to you by our friends at Movie Cult classic independent films from around the world every day. Their experts introduce you to a film they love and you have a whole month to watch it. So there are always 30 extraordinary films for you to enjoy. And of course, if you're participating in this marathon, we hope you are taking advantage of movies free trial as a film spotting listener. You can get 30 days free sample some of these movies watch the films that are part of the marathon and all you have to do is go to movie.com slash film spotting that's mubi.com slash film spotting watch these movies on your computer, your iPad, your smartphone, whatever the case may be. Last week, we talked about Extraordinary Stories, the four-hour epic from Mariano Ginas, and we got a little bit of a reprieve this week, even though we did really like that film. This movie, under 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of relief there. And this is a movie that certainly is a transition. We're pivoting from what Extraordinary Stories was because that movie was meticulously plotted and straightforward. Weird at times, but straightforward. Had a voiceover that was always telling you what's going on. And it was ultimately serious. Not much in the way of laughs in that film. We go then to something avant-garde and abstract and absurd. And it's based on Samuel Beckett and a novel he wrote called Murphy in the 50s. And I read the description of that novella, I think it is, on Wikipedia. And you can actually see where there are some elements that that Moishansky here, Alejo Moishansky, the filmmaker behind Castro, did lift out of that otherwise completely different. Just really took it and went in the direction he wanted to go. And really, in terms of a plot here, we have a character, the title character Castro, who is being chased by four people. He's got a girlfriend. He has an ex-wife. The ex-wife, tell me if I'm getting this right, Josh. The I ex-wife. Think she's just the wife. Well, yeah, they're currently married. Yeah. He seems to be separated or wanting to separate yes. himself from her. She is trying to get him back and she she wants him back as if he's almost she a wants hostage. something from him. Exactly. So she's trying to get him, can't find him, and she hires these three criminals, I suppose, to seek him out and track him down. One of whom we saw, I'm sure, in Extraordinary Stories, very familiar face, plays Samuel, I'm sure mm-hmm. a reference to the Beckett source material, who really almost does nothing but listen to some recordings and occasionally bark out orders and pay bills and paints his face at one point 
inexplicably. So three guys and the ex-wife searching for Castro, who doesn't really want to be found, seems to want to completely dissociate himself, not just from them, but kind of from society. I mean, kind of goes out when he needs to. A lot of the time we see him just hanging out in a closet. A closet yeah. by himself. And this goes back to that material where the title character in the Beckett story named Murphy is described as a seedy solipsist. And he lives in a soon to be condemned apartment and basically just spends the whole time rocking in a chair back and forth in the dark. He kind of wants to completely almost, it says here, like sensory deprivation, wants to be cut off. So that's not what we get with Castro here in this movie, but he does seem to want to disconnect from society completely. And we mentioned Moishansky, the director, he edited Ginas's movie, Extraordinary Stories. This film is edited and produced by Ginas. There's a collaboration there. They are actually part of a group called the El Pampero Cine Company, and it consists of Ginas and Laura Citerea, also Agustin Mendelharzu and Moishansky. They have been making films since 2002 together. So all of that is to build up to my question finally to you, Josh. Are, despite all those differences in the two films, the one we discussed last week and now Castro, are Moishansky and Ginas doing anything similar? Is there some connective tissue here beyond, I suppose, the boldness of both movies? And do those similarities or the differences make Castro a worthwhile watch? You could probably describe them both as exercises in deconstruction. I mean, yeah. we talked about how yep. Extraordinary Stories is absolutely a meta exercise about narrative. This is maybe a deconstruction of a thriller, certainly of a chase film. I mean, we never, as in Extraordinary Stories, we never get the goods, so to speak. There's never any sort of narrative closure, answer or closure. Resolution. No. So <laughs> they share those things in common. Um, I didn't find this as rewarding of an experience, though I did come out at the end of it liking it. Mildly, I can sense in your descriptions that you had a little bit more difficult more with of this a time. Movie. Here's the irony with my viewing experience with Castro. So four hours, extraordinary stories, I managed to knock out in two huge sections. Took a break for dinner. Castro, I split up now over the same afternoon, but it was just one of these times where I had to go pick up one of the kids from this mm -hmm. about... 20 minutes in, watch some more. Then I had to go bring them the somewhere else. The perils of streaming a film, yes. Yeah, pretty much, exactly. Mm -hmm. Of not going to a theatrical release. And I'll tell you this. When I had to go for that first pickup, about 15, 20 minutes in, I wanted out. Like, yeah. I, it, it was just not, I could see what it was doing. It was very fast-paced. These characters run the whole film, just to give listeners an idea, if you haven't seen this, whether they need to or not. There mm -hmm. are scenes where running is required. There's a chase, an actual foot chase, and that makes sense. But if they have to get from their upstairs apartment to the downstairs, they run down the stairs. This is all very purposeful. It, it's working at the level of a Looney Tunes cartoon. And, you know, my initial resistance was with the character of Castro himself, mm -hmm. played by Edgardo Castro. And there was sort of this self-satisfaction. He didn't strike me as clever as the movie wanted him to be mm -hmm. or as heroic as the movie wanted him to be. I think that changes. So I came back, watched the majority of this in a second section and it started to win me over. Huh. And I Where thought, does it change? Okay, roughly when? Uh, I think once you see how kind of sad he is, yeah. you know where it might have been for me? The sequence where rather than 
getting a job or doing something to earn enough money just to pay bus fare. He's accustomed to a life where he has to take four buses to get three blocks. That was because my, what he does, probably my favorite scene in yeah, the movie. Because my what favorite he, it's sequence. great. It's so great. What he does is he jumps on and he, he, in his he looks for change and yeah. then he, he travels a block and then he says, oh, sorry, I don't have don't change. change. I'll get off. Hops on the next bus. And, and it's like, man, this guy, he works that hard to do everything in his daily life, to make just enough to not to work. And it became this, and, and you see that in all of these characters. Mm-hmm. They're all sort of scrambling to make ends meet. The, the guys pursuing them have to sleep in a car because they can't afford a hotel. And it started to add up to this really kind of amusing portrait of people scrambling, working, and you know people like this, working harder than someone with a steady job does mm-hmm. just not to work. Yeah. And, and I liked the basic comic idea behind that. I liked how it did echo Castro's ethos, which is that if I get a job, it will kill us, he tells his girlfriend. And then you see this job he does get at the end, <laughs> yeah. which is essentially to take an it's like a nondescript package. We never know what's in the package. Jump in a car, race to an intersection, jump out. Another driver gets into his... It's just like this... I, I describe it in my review as Tati and speed. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some sort of social criticism going on here. I need a better understanding of Argentinian economics in the right. late 2000s, I think, to get it. But there's something here about, think about how sort of, you know, the, these, the towns we see. And I think we see in Buenos Aires and yeah. uh, I forget the name of the other one, but in a suburb, an exurb, basically, large town. Um, but everything looks kind of beaten down. There's graffiti all over mm-hmm. the place. So I think there is an economic background layer to this. Absolutely. Um, that I also appreciated how it played into these characters' lives. I absolutely agree. The forced cutesiness mm-hmm. and quirkiness doesn't work in some scenes. Um, a lot of the characters just remain off-putting to me. Mm-hmm. I had did not go for the ending at all. We can get into that. We maybe. can try. Yeah. Uh, we can try. But... I can understand this being an off-putting experience. It managed to win me over, but it okay. took a lot of work. Yeah, I'm not quite there, but I will say that this is a case where this does happen with our marathons occasionally. You get a movie that isn't on its own very satisfying, but you're glad you saw it within the context of the marathon because it informs either what you've already seen or what you end up seeing, and sometimes both. And so I do appreciate it on that level. I will say first that going back to Extraordinary Stories, deconstruction, I was thinking the same thing as you. That was a deconstruction of narrative by breaking down in a way, not subverting, but heightening all the individual elements of storytelling, right? And calling as much attention to it as possible. Here, it's a deconstruction by destroying it. Yeah, blowing I it I think up. about the times where we get those absurd calls on the micro messaging and they're in a disguised <laughs> voice which strike which, me as funny well it makes it seem like it's supposed to be this kind of spy movie it actually sounds a lot like alphaville Godard's film we hear voiceover that sounds like that but they're absurd and they're kind of there to call attention to well in a spy movie this might make sense but that's not what this film is there's a sex scene And I say sex in quotation marks. There is a scene with some nudity and where there's some sexual gratification being shared between two people. But it's not like anything we would expect in a more conventional type of thriller, certainly. And there's really no love story. It's almost as if they're saying these two characters in another movie, they would hook up and there would be this subplot about their romance. But we're not going to give you that. Mm -hmm. We're just going to give you these little absurd touches. 
And even I was thinking about, and maybe I'm stretching here, Josh, but the girlfriend in the story, her her first scene, really, I think where we encounter her is she's sitting down and she's being interviewed for a job. Yeah. And we don't really know what the job is. You assume it's for something modeling related because all they keep doing is asking her for her measurements and not just like the basic measurements that you might ask a model down to her forearm and every inch of her. And I, I kind of just wondered if it was almost a comment on sort of Hollywood or something where it's like, okay, she's here to be kind of the, the ingenue or the sex object. Well, we're just going to reduce her that sort of yeah. playfully to, because let's, let's make sure we get part, all her measurements that now. That is the part you know? she's playing in yeah, the narrative. It kind of is. So, And there's this weird, in that scene too, like this manner of speaking they all share where it's very quick answers back and forth. Where no you don't even get to, to answer and they repeat it again. They and, repeat the question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Cabeza. Redonda. Ojos. Ojos. Verdes. Cutis. Cutis. Blanco. Cabello. Cabello. Castaño claro. You mentioned Tati. I think that's a good connection. I saw some other people mention Jacques Rivette, which we don't know because we haven't really seen Rivette. That's another future marathon, hopefully. And I saw on Letterboxd someone who loved the film. And we're the only people we know, by the way, who have seen Castro. So it's a little seen film. Mm -hmm. You had to look at just random people on Letterboxd who've seen this movie. But one of them gave it five stars and just raved about it, but said that it reminded him of Hal Hartley. I'm a big fan of Hal Hartley. I can see that connection in terms of some of the absurdity and the heightened situations and the the kind of imposing a thriller but not really type of genre material there, a little bit, on the story. Deadpan apply? Yeah, deadpan, yeah, absolutely. So all those different elements are probably there. I certainly did notice some of them. But when I talk about it in terms of the context of this marathon, you mentioned Buenos Aires. We saw in Extraordinary Stories, most scenes took place not in a city. The bulk of that film takes place in all these rural villages, and we don't really get a sense of Argentina outside of those little places. And here, this takes place exclusively in that city. So you get the energy of the city, you get the energy of shooting in this guerrilla filmmaking mode, where I was constantly aware, it was kind of one of the treats of the movie for me, honestly, was watching scene after scene where they're shooting out in a public place and watching all the people on the street looking at them going, what are they doing? Right. Watching them because they don't because, know they're in a movie. Right. And they are acting so strangely. Yeah. Too, they're so acting works. really strangely and they're doing crazy things. And so you see sometimes people just in the background, just standing there watching a movie being made. Basically, they don't know that they're part of it. So there is some energy that comes from that. The choreography that happens in the streets, all the running, so on foot, the car scene that we get later, I think that is something that could have been really mesmerizing in a kind of Jacques Tati way. It could have been hypnotic. It could have been, which I think Tati stuff, which I've seen is, or it could have been just thrilling because of all that energy, but it just never rose to that level for me, Josh. And I think one scene that is a good kind of microcosm for it is there's a bit where the character Acuna, who is the watchdog, the guy that's out there following Castro everywhere, he comes up with a plan where he says, I need help. The umbrellas. And I need some umbrellas, which also seems like it should be from a French movie, right? (laughs) We need some umbrellas and we're going to communicate with each other via umbrellas. And so we get this kind of long sequence where they're all running down the road behind Castro and they're exchanging thoughts or whatever messages with the umbrellas. And 
I get it. I get that the absurdity of the scene. The joke is you're just that it's all for nothing. That like there's literally nothing they're saying right. to each other, and and they're not helping their you're cause at all. You're just sitting there not smiling. But right? no, I'm just sitting you're there just not. Sta- I'm not smiling. The staging <laughs> itself isn't thrilling enough. The joke itself isn't funny enough. That car chase, as I said, to an extent, is kind of fun. There's the moment I love that is straight out of a Keystone Cops type of movie, a silent comedy, where in all the jumping in and out of cars, chasing down Castro, he jumps in the back at one point and looks and his his wife is there. That's the way it should be. So there are some nice bits, occasional nice bits. It it didn't add up to to something I could love more. I'm not going to go too hard to bat for the film because... I could not completely get on its comic vibe. So I sat there stone-faced far more often than I was intended to. Got it. I'll admit that. Okay. I thought the umbrellas was pretty funny. Okay. (laughs) Because they're supposed to be those, these covert signals. I know. I knew what it was trying to do and I just didn't care. And the the best is at the end where it fails. The whole scheme fails. Castro, of course, never notices them. And they just angrily start opening and closing their umbrellas at each other. Like like they're arguing through umbrellas still. And it worked for me. Acuna played by Esteban Lamote, Mm -hmm. I think possibly. Uh, He... I thought he was really yeah. funny because he's, he's expressive. He's supposed to, he's expressive, but he's also supposed to be this, you know, covert tail who wears the entire time a bright yellow t-shirt and because of an early injury is on crutches the whole time. So he's the most, which he can abandon from moment yeah, to moment. He's the guy who stands out <laughs> on the street more than anybody. He does. But of course, Castro never notices him either. That I really think the, the movies, I think probably where I was like, okay, fine, I'm on board is that climactic chase sequence where they finally find Castro. He's in the midst of this job we've mm-hmm. tried to describe that involves racing cars, switching drivers. But really makes no sense. It yeah. makes no sense. That's that's part of the point. Getting a job makes no sense because this is what you do. Pointlessness. So his pursuers find him and they get into the chase with their car, start switching seats for no reason as well. I think that whole sequence really does work. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a pretty ingenious comic set piece okay and maybe all i could think about is what someone like tati a real master would have done maybe. with that, that I mean, kind of choreography little, it's, but that's not fair it's, it, not it's fair. shot it's completely little, differently right but, that's what i was gonna say it's yeah. a little different than tati because tati would be you know a, a, a single yes. shot yes. held with all yes. this we going would on. see all of it unfold is, yeah but okay so that worked for me um but you know I think I was dragged down a little bit by the ending because for me it goes for it makes a move for pathos that's okay a so little further than it's earned. Let me let me prompt you with something here because we'll try, of course, not to spoil it for people who will seek out this movie. But I looked at the variety review again to see if there was something like last time that was a little nugget that maybe yeah. I wouldn't have thought of otherwise. And Robert Kohler wrote the review, and it's mostly positive, not a rave, but mostly positive. And he provocatively says this josh true to beckett little changes in the end how could it but the final images could become a classic moment in contemporary argentine film um so what are well, we missing the cold a lot of seeing? contemporary argentine films so we can't really put it in true. that context um here's how it worked for me I did find the moment where castro is so he's in the rain in a car fuddling with the lights and the wipers pointlessly. I found that pretty affecting. I thought it was a nice touch for this mental state that he's found himself in, you know? Because I think there is something here about what's the point of work. If you can't find work that you love, yeah, I want to talk about it? that a little bit why more. Why do yeah. it, right? I, th- I think there's something there in this movie that is is pretty powerful. 
But then it makes another move after that. And I didn't buy it at all in terms of how it fit with the rest of the movie's tone. So the very last final the very frames, last a decision another character makes you didn't buy. No, 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 no. The the decision Castro makes and how oh. severe it is oh. and what the implications are. Oh. I'm still not sure. See, I'm not sure how to read it. You make it seem much more dire yeah, than I, found I it, interpreted I found it, it as. Eventually so. I thought, and I thought it was final because of the other character's response. Okay, see... If you see it more like I do, and I'm not saying I'm right, all bets are off with this film, then the decision implies something different, maybe. Okay. So, I mean, we can just say spoilers. Yeah, just so, say so you're suggesting that I think you he think Castro... Kill himself. Well, I think he succeeds in killing himself. Okay. The movie wants us to think see, that even though the way he runs hmm. into the wall doesn't suggest that that would kill him. See, that's that's kind of the problem. And I guess maybe I can't get over the literalness of him not driving nearly fast no. enough. So the way I saw it, Josh, was him... Probably trying to kill himself, but for certain, it's a, it's an act of frustration right. and what an expression of a certain feeling of futility mm-hmm. or whatever. And so since I didn't necessarily see it as, even if I do think it was maybe him trying to kill himself, I didn't see it as him succeeding, okay. even though we don't see him right. move after that. We so we don't really sure. know. But then Akuna mm-hmm. comes along and sees this and sees him there and decides to just walk away. Yeah, And so... If you see him as not dead, mm-hmm. because if he's dead, then the decision Akuna makes isn't really even a decision. It's just, I'm I'm walking away from this. What more is there to do? Right. I saw it as him seeing what he did to himself and somehow reacting to that in a way where he finally responded to the sadness in Castro and said, why am I chasing this guy? Why, why am I trying to catch this guy and, and, and force him into a life that clearly... It makes him this miserable. It's a it's an epiphany for him as opposed to an right. epiphany for Castro. Which and it could be epiphany for him even if Castro succeeded killing him. Could be you're right because I, guess. I yeah. had I had that similar take on Acuna. Like he was like sort of like I'm done with this. I guess the reason I thought Castro killed himself is because there's a second attempt. So yeah. the movie oh, yeah. doesn't need the second attempt. Like the first attempt expresses his desire and kind of fits with the comic vibe of the movie. Like True. I want to kill myself. I'm going to half-heartedly try. I hit this wall and I'm still okay. It just seems to me, but though. to go back and try again a little harder made me think, okay, we're being shown this because it's meant to think he succeeds. So if he succeeded. Yeah. If he succeeded and Akuna is just walking away, this is hard. Maybe we should have tried to get him on the show or reached out to him. Why would Robert Kohler think those final images were so powerful or impressive if it's just Akuna walking away? I wonder. I mean, it's it's clearly meant to be a showcase sequence. They hold the same frame right. for a long time until Akuna is out of the frame. I guess I'm just trying to invest Maybe more in... Maybe he's just in... referencing, you know, the fact that it's sort of a statement sequence. Yeah, I don't know. I just, like I said, I saw him as finally making a decision to leave him alone. And... Maybe that is what's happening. Maybe it isn't. You talked about sort of the politics of the movie and maybe what it's trying to say. And it might be folly to try to go too deep with the movie. But I think that there are, as we put it in the context of this marathon, at least through two films anyway, there are shades in Castro of a lot of the protagonists from Extraordinary Stories. And the the characters, not just Castro, but the ones chasing him, I think, as well in Castro, where they're... In this film, they're not as direct about it, but we talked a lot during that conversation about extraordinary stories about the idea of purpose, right? Characters having this conflicted idea of who they are, what they are, what they're supposed to be doing with their lives, and they get 
sidetracked by these digressions. They start chasing people, right? Chasing ghosts in a lot of ways in extraordinary stories. And Castro, it it goes a step further than the guy in the hotel from extraordinary stories who secludes himself in a hotel room. Here, Castro actually just tries most of the time to stay in the closet. And I, I feel like Again, it's, but that didn't that's, work no, for me. <laughs> it doesn't really. But it seems uh, a crazy sort of extension of what we see in stories. If it wasn't for the other people, he probably wouldn't feel compelled to interact with society at all. And you then look at those chasing him instead of living their own lives. All they do is devote their time to chasing him around. Now, granted, it's a job, but that's all we see them do in this film, at least until that final moment. So kind of like the bureaucrat in Extraordinary Stories who's chasing this ghost, this predecessor— I think Castro's a ghost. He's a, he's he's there. We get to see him, but you can't catch him. He's elusive. You can't pin him down to anything. He seems like a very hollow character in a lot of ways. So there's some crossover there. But then you look at it, too, in the sense that he's running from his wife. We are told anyway, because she's after him, how much of that is what's driving him. We don't really know. She's certainly trying to pin him down. You have a girlfriend trying to pin him down another way, kind of try to make a husband out of him by Mm -hmm. forcing him to get a job rather than just existing as his girlfriend, turn him into a provider of sorts. And so you have this character who is someone who wants to disconnect himself from place and time. It's not it's not very realistic, certainly, but it, it seems to me to represent a fundamental fear and a fear that both filmmakers we've seen so far have expressed or have wanted to explore this this fear about the individual and how it exists in society. Well, and I think there's a general suspicion, rebellion against complacency, right? conservative, yep. you know, life, just this idea of becoming a member of the rat race. Right. That, that's something else that the two films think, have in yeah. common. I think maybe um, you see that in The Girlfriend, too. I might be reading too much into it, but this movie begs you to read too much into it. The Girlfriend, remember the scene where she's constantly paying attention to the man above them? Mm-hmm. They wanted the apartment above them instead. Lots of people want the other apartment, right? The grass is always greener to an extent. She's and, a social and, climber in a way. And she and... she counts. She She's paying so much attention to the old man upstairs that when he stops moving... She's sure that he's dead, and now that's her opportunity to get the apartment. She moves in really quick. And she moves in really quickly, right? And I think even with the job, which, as you said, is really crazy, there's a point where the movie just explicitly says part of the job is you're not just going to figuratively prostitute yourself to the boss. The boss might come in and sleep with you, and that's just expected. So there's certainly some, some notions of... I suppose, capitalism or at least which at least getting into that rat race and how do you disconnect yourself from it or how do you stay true to to yourself and have any integrity and yet be part of it, which could be distinctly Argentinian. I mean, the little Maybe. the little research that I did suggested I thought, is this is this something like a, a post recession response? But 2009, it turns out it, lo- it looks like Argentina was you know doing quite well up through that point. Uh, so maybe it's not necessarily that. It could be as universal as the impulse of the artist to reject Agreed. getting a nine to five. Agreed. You know, I think yep. that's what I feel in mm-hmm. extraordinary stories. These yep. bureaucrats who are stuck doing something every day and find something remarkable and chase that down another narrative. And here we you. have Castro who explicitly states that will kill him. Yes. And in a way, maybe. I think that's If I'm there. right, it does. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely there. And the the funnest part for me with this movie was watching those tricks, like his little scams to get by. As you said, it's the bus ploy. And then also what that 
kind of cued me into is even when he like walks into that cafe, he's got his little tricks to get more coffee and he steals the biscuit yep. from someone and whatever. And or complains that he yeah, ordered something else else to then get a refill. To get a refill yeah. that's yeah. And what I loved was the way we saw it first on the bus. We probably see it before, but I finally keyed into it on the bus and then in that cafe scene is every time he walks in anywhere where there's other people and mm-hmm. there's going to be or supposed to be an exchange of money, he he starts fiddling in his pockets. It's as if he's trying to signal to the people, oh, I have money. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I've yeah. got something You're in right. here, right here. I'll yeah. find it. You know, just, And then it, it just leads to him then going, oh, I, I don't have that. Just exhausting, right? I yeah. love movies that, that do depict characters like this who work work so hard right. to play every angle and it's more creativity and energy so castro's buzzard any, he's the Argentinian. yeah it's like it is buzzard. like buzzard right yeah. it's like this is this is more smarts creativity and energy that any regular job could require <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right well that is castro as i said and i think our discussion at least for me bore it out despite any misgivings i have about how it's constructed and just the pure enjoyment I got from it. I'm really glad it was part of this marathon. And I'm really curious to see how it is, these first two films, how it it may set up some of the conversations we have over the course of the next three films. The next movie is Lucretia Martel's La Cienega. And that's so hard for me to say. That's how Sam spelled it out phonetically, La Cienega. I want to say La Cienega. I don't know why. Don't look at me. I know. I won't. We'll fig- we got a little time to figure it out. We have we a little a time to figure it out, but we can't wait to remedy this blind spot of Lucretia Martel. And we hope that you will follow along with us. The lineup and the audio for these conversations and links and other information about where you can find these films is available at filmspotting.net. Just click on marathons. And of course, we encourage you to not only see these first two films, if you haven't already, but seek out other interesting, great troubling, (laughs) difficult, challenging Argentinian films as part of MUBI's new Argentine cinema series that they're doing in conjunction with our marathon. Just go to MUBI.com slash film spotting to play along. And Josh, I guess we'll sit down next week and do this again. It's a plan. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Film Spotting is listener supported. Join the Film Spotting family at filmspottingfamily.com and get access to ad free episodes, monthly bonus shows, our weekly newsletter, and for the first time, all in one place, the entire Film Spotting archive going back to 2005. That's at filmspottingfamily.com.